You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for the many blessings of this life. We thank you for our fathers, and we thank you that uh, you are our Father. We just pray that you would uh, bless us uh, this day. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, it's good to just have new faces so I um, can say things I've already said. Uh, so, we're looking at kind of stories of the world to begin with and what the world tells us and how it teaches us to do things. And I'm not really sure what the te- world tells us about relationships except for that we see that they're very transactional. It's all about what I can get out of a relationship. Um, it's all about me. Uh, but then in like the Christian context, especially in the South, uh, you know, there's this idea that I'll only be happy when I'm married. Um, I don't know if you've felt that at all. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a high value on marriage, uh, which I'll talk about later. Um, but there's all these kind of different stories about relationships. And so we're going to now look at what the story of the Bible is in relationships. And it begins with uh, God creating humans uh, for relationships. Uh, because we're created in the image of God, that means that just as he is a relational being, so too we are relational. Uh, we see this clearly, clearly in Genesis 2.18, where God says it's not good for a man to be alone, so he creates a suitable helper for him, who is Eve. But as we've seen the past two weeks, the fall screws everything up. And so through the fall, sin enters the world, uh, disorders and corrupts and frustrates our relationships. Uh, And Adam's sin broke our relationship with God, creating hostility towards him, and it fractured our relationship with others. Uh, And so instead of trusting God through sin, we decide to rebel against God and continue to do so to this day. We see the effects of this in the very next chapter of Genesis, where uh, Cain kills his brother Abel. uh, And spreading all throughout. Hey, Julie. There's an outline on that seat. Uh, So the fall screws everything up and breaks our relationship with God and with others. Uh, And the good news of the gospel is that in Christ there is reconciliation with God and with others. Uh, So the good news of Jesus Christ is that God has made a way for our relationship with him and with others to be restored. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, God has reconciled us to himself. He's redeemed us and given us a new vision of ourselves, uh, which enables us to be reconciled to our neighbors as well. So Colossians 1, 19 to 22. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Jesus Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 16-21. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So in Christ there is reconciliation with God and with others. Um, 
And then finally, this points us all to the future where we will have perfect relationships, a perfect relationship with God and with others. Uh, but because we live in the now but not yet of the kingdom of God, our relationships remain somewhat frustrated in this life uh, as the effects of sin still remain in our life. We look forward to and long for the day when our relationship with God will be perfected and we will live in perfect harmony with each other. At that time, we will love God perfectly uh, and we will love Him before all else. He will be our bay. Um, I don't know if anyone still uses that. I was writing before all else and I was like, oh man. Anyway, moving on. And he will perfectly, we will perfectly love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, so, in summary of all that, I just went very quickly. We're, we are made for a relationship, and that relationship is primarily with God, but also with others. Uh, but sin has broken our relationship with God and with others. But Jesus has reconciled us back to God and to each other. And in the new creation, we will experience the fulfillment of that reconciliation. So that's the kind of the framework that I'm working from, uh, and that... Uh, kind of the good news in there is that we do have reconciliation with God and that enables us to have reconciliation with others, but we're still waiting for that to be per- perfected. Um, so um, <coughs> I might just read this out. Because we have been reconciled with God, our relationship with him is renewed and secured in his love. And in this loving security, we can boldly love others. It's through our relationship with God, that we can boldly love others. Uh, So thinking about implications and relationships in general, uh, I want to think about marriage and singleness a little bit. Uh, And so the good news for many of us, uh, many of us millennials, is that marriage is not the goal of life. Uh, Jesus says, "The The thief comes to only steal and to kill and destroy, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. What does it mean to have this life that Jesus is talking about? Well, it means to have relationship with God in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The hope of the Christian life is not some mystical, spiritual reality where we're floating around in the clouds, but it is life with God. This is the point of all relationships. It's, the way, uh, it's what they are all anticipating and symbolizing. And we must make sure that we take care of this relationship first, our relationship with God, and then we can focus on the rest. The psalmist says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we see this in Revelation 21, 3-4, that our life in heaven, in the new creation, will be with God, where uh, it says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be be with them as their God. Uh, So this is where all of history is heading uh, and when we will finally be back in perfect relationship with God and with each other. So that's kind of my thesis, as it were. What I really wanted to get across is that the abundant life, the the good life, is found in relationship with God in Jesus Christ. I mean, that kind of transcends all of the lessons I've been talking about with work and with identity. It's all about being in relationship with God in Jesus Christ. Uh, And then that kind of flows out to everything else. Uh, And so in the security of having that relationship, we can then look at other relationships properly. So we can, you know, honor marriage. We can say that marriage is good and valuable, uh, but we don't have to uphold it 
too highly to see that it's the ultimate thing. So I just want to uh, ramble on those things for a little bit. Marriage is good and valuable because it points us to the new creation. God has ordained marriage as a good and valuable way of living in this world, and primarily because it gives us a symbol of our relationship with God. We see this in Ephesians 5, where Paul's talking about marriage. And he says, This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So marriage points us to the new creation as a symbol of our finally being fully united with Christ at the wedding supper of the Lamb in the new creation. We see this in Revelation 19. Uh, for the, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory, give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are, uh, these are true words of God. So this, this marriage of man and woman, two becoming one, points to when we will be united fully with Christ, as the two of us will become one in Christ and by the Spirit. So marriage is good and valuable, primarily because it points us to the new creation. But it's not ultimate. Uh, it will not solve all of your issues. It will not fulfill you. It, will not, it cannot take the place of your relationship with God in Christ Jesus. In fact, Paul says that singleness is better uh, in 1 Corinthians 7, 32-25. Uh, but singleness isn't ultimate either. We shouldn't all take the vow of celibacy in order to become closer to God. The Christian life is not about whether you are married or single. It's about your relationship with God and how Christ has come to reconcile you back to Him. So in the new creation, marriage and singleness will be engulfed in this wedding of the Lamb. I'm not sure if engulfed is the right word, but like overshadowed, encompassed, engulfed. The Wedding Supper of the Lamb. Uh, so Oliver O'Donovan, this very big brained guy, says, Humanity in the presence of God will know a community in which the fidelity of love, which marriage makes possible, will be extended beyond the limits of marriage. So that love that we experience in marriage, we will all experience in Christ as a community of believers. It won't be just me and my wife, it'll be each one of us fully loving each other perfectly, um, sacrificing our own wants and desires uh, for each other. Um, there's so much I want to say about other relationships as well, uh, thinking about friendship and hospitality and church as family and racial reconciliation and parenting and so many other things, but I've said what I basically want to say, and you can ask me questions if you so desire. But let me give you a concluding statement. The good news for millennials is that in Jesus Christ, you have been brought back into right relationship with God, and in Him you'll find your satisfaction and your rest. So when your relationships feel hard and uh, unfulfilling, know that it's in Christ that you will be fulfilled of all those longings. Any thoughts, questions, pushback? Uh, any words that I said that you didn't understand, especially for those in the front who aren't used to my <laughs> accent yet? <laughs> any topics that you want me to touch on?
said, under story of the world, their relationships are transactional. What would be Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, self-sacrificial. Um, well, relationship is all about the other. And so we see that in the cross of Christ um, and in, in Jesus Christ where uh, it's not about what he can get but what he can give to others. Um, did you have more thoughts or questions that you just want me to talk about? <laughs> Marianne. Yeah, that's a that's a great question and point. Um, yes and no. Um, just so I said a phrase about in the loving security of the gospel um, that allows us to go beyond ourselves almost. Um, so when we are when we realize how loved and valued we are in Christ, when we have our identity uh, in Christ, uh, we are able to push beyond the limits of our own selfishness uh, and our own brokenness. Um, And so I think um, the gospel allows us to realize that uh, we are made for relationships, and so they're good. Uh, And so investing in them and, and working hard for them uh, is a good thing and will fulfill us somewhat, will give us fullness of life, uh, give us a fuller life maybe is a better way of saying it, um, even if they are hard and broken. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, the church comes into that. I'm just thinking about like, yes, church is not easy at all. Um, there's so many people that I'm like, oh, crap, I haven't talked to you, I don't have a good relationship with you like sitting in the pews I'm looking at all these people and all the brokenness of myself and how that impacts my ministry Um, but church is good because we all come together as one people uh, and it kind of gives us a fuller understanding of what it means to be human Um, I'm kind of do you have any more thoughts Kevin's got some thoughts So my instinct is to pull myself up by my bootstraps, to do it myself. And what relationship does for me is shows me where I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps anymore. And it drives me to drives me to the to the Lord that um, that tells me that I can't do it on my own. And that's why he's. That's why relationship with the Lord for me is so important, is because it takes me to the one who can fulfill those things and shows me that. Like the, the we talk about the fall a lot. The fall is the uh, is the is the picture of us trying to do it ourselves, 
and be our own God. Right. And be and in relationships be gods of our relationships. Right. And control our world. But the hardness of that is that it shows us, you know, takes us to the end of ourselves. Then points us to the grace of God, saying, You're right, you can't do this. You can't pull yourself up. But come to me. I'll show you what real life is. Hmm. And that's and that to me is found in the hardness of life. That's that's not being afraid of the hard things. That's taking courage to dive into the hard things. Yeah. And that's how I would view that, I think, too. Yeah, and I mean that's why there's so many one another passages in the Bible. Paul says, you know, love one another, encourage one another, rebuke, strengthen, go you know, uplift. It's because the fall kind of just corrupts us so much and we just get so blinded by our selfishness that we need each other to point us to to Jesus and to encourage us and uplift us and um, you know, help us to press on in this life. Right. Do I get a Porsche out of this or what? Rachel's reading this book called Friendfluence, and it's about how friends influence you so much, and that you just remind me of that. Um, but yeah, were you thinking about that at all? Why did I do this? <laughs> when is the me time? <laughs> <laughs> Julie's like, no, you've got kids now, so there's none. <laughs> yeah, we're thinking about the whole kids too. Family. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do this if I was married and had children. You know, and you'll do whatever I want to. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's so funny too, also, is like, I mean, because in because like you know, um, marriage and even like a dating relationship does show like you know your, you know your, I guess like, I mean your sin patterns. And mm -hmm. but what's funny is, um, you know, like one of my best friends, he was my roommate for six years before he 
left Atlanta and actually came here <laughs> um, to Birmingham and uh, you know but the, the funny thing is like even just li- living with him you know and just kind of like, just like a brother right. you know what I mean you forms know, you and like I was I mean that I mean I started it, it started to show I mean it revealed my sin, it revealed my sin nature too mm-hmm. you know and so you know it's like where I think you know no, it doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have to be marriage to show that right but I think right. there is something unique about marriage too like yeah that reveals things that like another relationship wouldn't but but I think you know just relationships in general also can be you know just sort of sanctifying you know so, right yeah. yeah, but all, but also I'd say there's ways you know that my friend Clay, you know, like my relationship with him would probably show, you know, reveal some patterns that probably being in a relationship with Amanda wouldn't show. Right. You know? So kind of that's why it's like I feel like all relationships are so. There's kind of less so, pressure on your relationship with Clay than there is with on Amanda. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kevin, what were you gonna say? I was just thinking about like also how evil plays a like the world the flesh and the devil our own brokenness being like the world and the flesh and how it pulls us away into like separateness individuality mm. and again I can do this on my own I can create life and meaning based on what I want and then also just the thoughts of like so I've been th- trying I've been thinking more about evil and how it plays a, a role in my thoughts and my patterns and time like thought of you know what when am I getting out of this or the world of the flesh pulling me a different direction than what wholeness and unity and what the Lord would want for that to draw out of me um, showing different levels of courage and commitment of sacrificial type and steadfast love mm. so yeah that's all like evil has just been a thought of mine in relationships lately thinking about how, like I know the screw tape letters aren't a like a, fi- a factual book but I think there's a lot to it with thoughts the, just the thoughts of like mm-hmm. this person really doesn't want this for you <laughs> or this person did this because they kind of wanted to spite you a bunch but it creates this divisiveness and this divisiveness that yeah. wants, evil wants to pull you away from it right mm-hmm. create I, mistrust join, join you yeah that's good it's a good word. And I feel like our generation, it's there's like independence is shouted louder, and technology and advancement and equality, like all of these really good things, give us opportunities for mm. more seclusion too, because we can do it on our own, um, or like seemingly can. But also, it's a hard thing. My mind goes to like. Well, you want to put up boundaries when things, like, if a relationship isn't healthy, like, there are really healthy boundaries, and I feel like that's a, like, good hot topic of forming good boundaries, whatever, but I think also boundaries can also just be a cop-out of not wanting to work through. Enter into the hardness. Yeah. Um, I don't have any final thoughts, but those are, like, <laughs> just thinking about what's like what we're having to do like this technological I mean we're not like another Gen Z or next level we're not TikTokers so. <laughs> that's personally I don't know yeah that's right you might be <laughs> Julie <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm definitely not 
Yeah. <laughs> Julie, do you have any wisdom for us? I, I don't. I'm looking for some practical advice. Uh, I'm from Belgium and Ooh. I'm about to go back and all my relationships there are my family, my twin sister. They're all non-believers, and now that I've become a believer, my relationship with them is getting harder and harder. And I almost become on my high horse of like, oh, now I live in this new reality. Mm. I feel all this fellowship with my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and it drives me further and further away from family. family. Yeah, I see like it only get worse, and I'm already like speaking this into reality. It's gonna be awful. So I'm like super nervous about it, and yeah. I wonder, because it says in the Bible like that we're kind of, as children of God who rec- recognize Jesus as our Savior, that we're separated from people who don't, like, it's, right. it's just two different things, so I find it really hard. I know I want to share the gospel, I'm probably not the one who's going to be, like, doing that to be less, or so close to that. So right. I'm excited about potentially talking about it, but I'm also super nervous and scared about all of it. So, I don't even know what I'm yeah. you. Maybe, is there... A word of comfort. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about, like, Dr. Webster preaching about Jesus saying, who are my mother and brother and sisters, the ones who do the will of God. And just what you're saying is just a beautiful picture of how in Christ we just become this new family, uh, which is really hard for the actual family that we have that uh, that aren't in Christ. My sister is not in Christ. And so that's difficult because I'm closer to you guys than I am to her, uh, spiritually and somewhat relationally. Um, yeah, so, oh man, my word of comfort is, um, you know, it's God's work to save them. You don't have to do that work. You can share the gospel with them and um, love them well, uh, but you don't have to save them. You can't save them. Sometimes it's just so hard to love them. Yeah, well, and yeah, um, I mean, kind of like Kevin was saying, like, you're trying to pick you up yourself up by your bootstraps, like, give yourself a break. It's not about you. Um, exactly. Yeah. I don't want it to be about me. Yeah. I found out the most comforting thing. Yeah. Another word of comfort of even our families that are in Christ, as like I grow in Christ daily, maybe a family member is not growing in Christ daily. It doesn't mean they're not a part of the family, but it's just not the same uh, like understanding and vibing in relationships. So it's like, gosh, there's yeah. no perfect yeah, there's no right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, come Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> bring in perfection. Let me pray for us. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our relationships, for our friendships, for uh, the marriages, uh, for uh, our parents, uh, our siblings, uh, and especially for the family we have in Christ. And we ask that you would uh, bless us, uh, help us, uh, strengthen us and sustain us, and help us to love others as you have loved us in Christ Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. 
If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. 